for, hers of the theatrical profession were members, and that they had a store of brandy, whiskey, and other spirits, find L5 in each case, observer, inspire my soul, waiter, a go of Brett's best alcohol, a light, and one of Kilpak's mild Havanas, fire me, again I say, while loud hosannas I sing of what we were of what we now are, wildly let me rave, to imprecate the knave whose curious information turned our porter sour, bottled our stout, doing it ruthless cub, brown, down knocking our snug, and licensed club, changing, despite our bel esprit, that one fell swap, into a legal coffee crib, our contraband cook shop, old, then little Bob arose, and doffed his clothes, exclaiming, moans, stuff, I've played him long enough, and, as the public seems inclined to sack us, behold me ready dressed to play young Bacchus, he said his legs the barrel span, and thus the covent garden god began, gentlemen, I am ahem, I beg your pardon, but, ahem, as first low come, of common garden no, I don't mean that, I mean to say, that if we were ahem, to pay so much per quarter for our quarterns, cries of here, import our own champagne and ginger beer, in short, small duty pay on all we sub ahem, you understand I give it up, the speech was ended, and Bob descended, the club was formed, a spicy club it was especially on Saturdays, because they dined extraordinary cheap at five o'clock, when there were met members of the dram, a sock, those of the sock and buskin, artists, court gazetteers on fellows all other than all their club compeers, some were sub-editors, others reporters, and more illuminati, joke importers, the club was heterogeneous by strangers seen as a refuge for destitute bonds most depot for leaden jokes and pewter pops, repertory for gin and judespri, literary pound for vagrant repartee, second-hand shop for left-off witticisms, gallery for Tompkins and pinicisms, foundling hospital for every bastard pun, in short, a manufactory for all sorts of fun, arouse my muse, such pleasing themes to quit, hear me while I say, done as moi do frenzy, Silvus plate, give me a most tremendous fit of indignation, a wild volcanic ebolition, or deep anathema, fate as J.D. Spa, to hurl excess men downward to perdition, may genial gin no more delight their throttles their casks grow leaky, bottomless their bottles, may smugglers run, and they ne'er make a seizure, may they I'll curse them further at my leisure, but for our club, aye, there's the rub, we mourn it dead in its father's halls, the sporting prints are cut down from the walls, no stuffing there, not even in a chair, the spirits are all exorcised, the coffee cups capsized, the coffee findy the snuff all taken, the mild Havanas are by lights forsaken, the utter ruin of the clubs achieved our very chess boards are exchequered even, where is our club, excise, and with a stare like to another echo, answers, where, ye jokal nine, a happy modification of, ye vocal nine, the nine here so classically invocated are manifestly nine of the members of the late club, consisting of, 1, Mr. DSJD2, the subject of the engraving, treasurer and storekeeper, 3, Mr. GESH Subeducation JB4, Mr. BD Mem, Dram, Authors Society, 5, CSSY Ditto, 6, Mr. CE7, Mr. CSTS Late of the Firm of TS and PT8, Mr. JENMEM, Sock, British Artists, 9, and lastly, though not least, the author of, You Love Me Not in Happier Days, he said, deeply imbued with the style of the most polished of the classics, 
Our author will be found to exhibit in some passages an imitation of it which might be considered pedantic. For ourselves, we admire the severe style. The literal rendering of the Dixit of the ancient epicists strikes us as being etramely forcible here. Punch, a playbill reminiscence. This, the scenery by Masros, Tompkins and Pitt, the authors of, but, however, John Nesmoy, and C. The classics of all countries are aptly drawn upon by the universal early edition of our bard. A fine parody this upon the exclamation of Belmondo's starving author, local war done as moi du pain. Fenwick de Pioarcuiwini. They mourn it dead. And see. A pretty, but perhaps too literal allusion to a popular song J-R-O-D-W-E-L-L. X size. Who, X, may happen to be we had not the remotest idea. But who would not forgive a little mystification for so brilliant a pun? The Ghost of Punch's Theatre, Mr. Hume, we are requested by Mr. Hume to state, that being relieved from his parliamentary duties, he intends opening a day school in the neighborhood of the House of Commons, for the instruction of members only, in the principles of the illustrious Cocker, and to remedy in some measure his own absence from the finance committees, he is now engaged in preparing a parliamentary ready reckoner, we heartily wish him success, private, in the event of the Tories coming into power. It is intended to confer the place of postmaster general upon Lord Clan William. It would be difficult to select an individual more peculiarly fitted for the situation than his lordship, whose love of letters is notorious in the Carlton Club. Extract from an intercepted letter, and doth not a meeting like this make amends. It is currently reported at the Conservative Clubs, that if their party should come into power, Sir Robert Peel will endeavor to conciliate the Whigs, and to form a coalition with their former opponents. We had no doubt the cautious baronet sees the necessity of the step, and would feel grateful for support from any quarter, but we much doubt the practicability of the measure. It would indeed be a strange sight to see Lord Johnny and Sir Bobby, the two great leaders of the opposition engines, with their followers, meeting amicably on the floor of the House of Commons. In our opinion, an infernal crash and smash would be the result of these the drama. The star system has added another victim to the many already sacrificed to its rapacity and injustice. Mr. Phelps, an actor whose personation of Macduff, the hunchback, Jix, and C, would have procured for him in former times no mean position, has been compelled to secede from the Haymarket Theatre from a justifiable feeling of disgust at the continual sacrifices he was required to make for the aggrandizement of one to whom he may not possibly ascribe any superiority of genius. The part assigned to Mr. Phelps Friar Lawrence requires an actor of considerable powers, and under the old regime would have deteriorated nothing from Mr. Phelps' position, but we can understand the motives which influenced its rejection, and whilst we deprecate the practice of actors refusing parts on every caprice, we consider Mr. Phelps' opposition to this ruinous system of starring as commendable and manly. The real cause of the decline of the drama is the upholding of this system. The stars are paid so enormously and cost so much to maintain them in their false position, that the manager cannot afford supposing the disposition to exist to pay the working portion of his company salaries commensurate with their fullness, or compatible with the appearance they are expected to maintain out of the theater, whilst opportunities of testing their powers as actors, or of improving any favorable impression they may have made upon the public, is denied to them, from the fear that the influence of the greater, because more fortunate actor, may be diminished thereby. These facts are now so well known, that men of education are deterred from making the stage a profession, and consequently the scarcity of rising actors is referable to this cause. 
The poverty of our present dramatic literature may also be attributable to this absurd and destructive system. The star must be considered alone in the construction of the drama, or if the piece be not actually made to measure, the actor, par excellence, must be the arbiter of the author's creation. Writers are thus deterred from making experiments in the higher order of dramatic writing, for should their subject admit of this individual display, its rejection by the star would render the labor of months valueless, and the dramatist, driven from the path of fame, degenerates into a literary drudge, receiving for his wearying labor a lesser remuneration than would be otherwise awarded him. From the pecuniary monopoly of the star, it is the system which has begotten the present indifference to the stage. The public had formerly many favorites, because all had an opportunity of contending for their favor now they have only Mr. A or Mrs. B who must ultimately weary the public, be their talent what it may, as the sweetest note would pall upon the ear, were it continually sounded, although, when harmonized with others, it should constitute the charm of the melody. We have made these remarks divested of any personal consideration. We quarrel only with the system that we believe to be unjust and injurious to an art which we reverence. Vauxhall, Vauxhall, region of punch, both liquid and corporeal, Elysium of illumination lamps, paradise of Simpson. We have been permitted once again to breathe your oily atmosphere, to partake of an imaginary repast of impalpable ham and invisible chicken to join in the eruption of exclamations at thy pyrotechnic glories to swallow thy mysterious arc and we have seen giant, the elegant. Phantomimic giant, exhibit his six-inch wristbands and exquisitely dressed head we have roved again amid those bowers where, with Araminda Smith, years ago, we met the daylight after seven hours sitting, but we were not happy, there was a something that told us it was not Vauxhall, the GRs were VRs the cop hats were round hats the fiddlers were foreigners the rotunda was estless the night was moonshiny and there was not our pen weeks whilst we traced the mournful fact there, was not, Simpson, to exclaim. Welcome to the royal property, Urbane M.A.C. wouldst that thou hadst been a Muslim, then wouldst thou doubtlessly be gliding about amid an Eden of worries, uttering to the verge of time the hospitable sentence which has rendered thy name immortal peace to thy manes. Strand, the enterprising managers of this elegant little theatre have produced another mythological drama, called, The Frolics of the Fairies, or, The Rose, Shamrock, and Thistle, from the pen of Lum and Reed, who island without doubt the first of this class of writers. The indisposition of Mr. Hall was stated to be the cause of the delay in the production of this piece, out, from the appearance of the bills. We are led to infer that it arose from the indisposition of Mrs. Waylett to shine in the same hemisphere with that little brilliant, Mrs. Keeley, and, a gem of the first water, she proved herself to be on Wednesday night. It would be useless to enter into the detail of the plot of an ephemeron. That depends more upon its quips and cranks than dramatic construction for its success. It abounds in merry conceits, which that merriest of dare we call her mere woman. Little Mrs. Bob rendered as plant as a white chapel needle of the finest temper. The appointments and arrangements of the stage reflect the highest credit on the management, and the industry which can labor to surmount the difficulties which we know to exist in the production of anything like scenic effect in the Strand Theatre deserve the encouragement which we were gratified to see bestowed upon this little temple of Monus. The Olympic Theatre has obtained an extension of its license from the Lord Chamberlain, and will shortly open with a company selected from Ducrow's late establishment, but whether the Xarbi or Quadru, rumor saith not, a card, MSSRs, Fudge and Vamp beg to inform novelists and writers of tales in general, that they supply denouements to unfinished stories, on the most reasonable terms. 
they had just completed a large stock of catastrophes, to which they respectfully solicit attention, for a melodrama, discovery of the real murderers, and respite of the accused, ditto very superior, with return of the supposed victim, ditto, ditto, extra super fine, with punishment of vice and reward of virtue, for farces, mollificati on a flinty heart fathers and union of lovers, and see, and see, and see, for comedies, fictitious bankruptcy of the hero, and sudden reinstatement of fortune, ditto, ditto, with exposure of false friends, non-recognition of son by father, ultimate discovery of former by latter, ditto, ditto, very fine, with convenient cordial, and true gentleman, illustrated by an old debauchee, N.B., on hand, a very choice assortment of interesting parasites, strongly recommended for serial use, why and because, young keen's a bad cigar because the more he's puffed, the worse he draws, a new farce, entitled, my friend the captain, is to be produced tonight, at the Haymarket Theatre, Mr. Hammond will take a benefit at the English Opera House, on Monday next, we are happy to see that this very deserving actor's professional brethren are coming forward to lend him that assistance which he has always been ready to afford to others, to Mrs. H. Bowsweet, to whom all bend the knee, no wonder men run after thee, there's something in a name, perhaps, for honey's often good for chaps, a Mr. Graham has appeared at the Surrey, he is reported to be a very chaste and clever actor, if so, he certainly will not suit the taste of Mr. Davidge's patrons, how they have tolerated Wilson, Leffler, and Miss Romer so long, we are utterly at a loss to divine, it must be, that, music hath charms, we are authorities to state that Rouse of the Eagle Tavern is not the Riz who was lately returned for Westminster, the real and the ideal, O.R., the catastrophe of a Victoria and yellow drama, Berthelda, Sanguine, you have killed your mother, three women, any apples, oranges, biscuits, ginger beer, curtain falls, qualifications for an MP, we give the following list of qualifications for a member of parliament for Westminster, as a logical curiosity, extracted from a handbill very liberally distributed by Captain Ronza's party, during the late contest, first, because, he is brother to the Earl of Stradbroke, second, because, his family had always been hardy conservatives, third, because, they had been established in Suffolk from the time of the Hetarchy. fourth, because, he entered the Navy in 1808, fifth, because, he brought home Lord Aymer in the peak, in 1835, sixth, because, he ran the peak aground in the Straits of Belisle, seventh, because, after beating there for eleven hours, he got her off again, eighth, because, he brought her into Portsmouth without a rudder or forefoot, lower masts all sprung, and leaking at the rate of two feet per hour, ergo, he is the fittest man for the representative of Westminster, QED, the entire animal, Lord Londonderry, in a letter to Colonel Fitzroy, begs of the gallant member to, go the whole hog, this is natural advice from a thoroughbore like his lordship, punch, O.R. the London C.H.A.R.I.V.A.R.I., Volume 1, for the week ending July 24th, 1841, a modest method of forming a new budget so as to provide for the deficiency of the revenue, poor Mr. Deer, and so this gentleman has been dismissed from the commission of the peace for humanely endeavoring to obtain the release of Metterst from confinement, two or three thousand pounds, he thought, given to some public charity, might persuade the Home Secretary to remit the remainder of his sentence, and dispose the public to look upon the prisoner with an indulgent eye, now, Mr. Punch, 
Incline thy head, and let me whisper a secret into thine ear. If the Whig ministry had not gone downright mad with the result of the elections, instead of dismissing delectable dear, they would have had him down upon the pension list to such a tune as you ought not of, although of tunes you are most curiously excellent, for, oh, what a project did he unwittingly shadow forth of recruiting the exhausted budget, such a one as a sane chancellor of the exchequer would have seized upon, and shaken in the face of, Robert the Devil, and his crew of, odious monopolists. Peel must still have pined in hopeless opposition, when Baring opened his plan. Listen, Mandeville wrote a book, entitled, Private Vices Public Benefits. Why cannot public crimes, let me ask, be made so, you, perhaps, are not on the instant prepared with an answer but I am. Let the Chancellor of the Exchequer forthwith prepare to discharge all the criminals in Great Britain, of whatever description, from her respective prisons, on the payment of a certain sum to be regulated on the principle of a graduated or sliding scale. A vast sum will be thus instantaneously raised. Not enough, however, you will say, to supply the deficiency. I know it, but a moment's further attention. Mr. Goulburn, many years since, being then Chancellor of the Exchequer, and, like Brother Baring, in a financial hobble, proposed that on the payment, three years in advance, of the dog and hair powder tax, all parties so handsomely coming down with the tin, should henceforth and forever rejoice in duty-free dog, and enjoy untaxed cranium. Now, why not a proposition to this effect that on the payment of a good round sum let it be pretty large, for the ready is required, a man shall be exempt from the present legal consequences of any crime or crimes he may hereafter commit, or, if this be thought an extravagant scheme, and not likely to take with the public, at least let a list of prices be drawn up that a man may know, at a glance, at what cost he may gratify a pet crime or favorite little foible. Thus, for cutting one's own child's head off so much, I really think I would fix this at a high price, although I am well aware it has been done for nothing, for murdering a father or a mother a good sum, for ditto, a grand ditto, or a great grand ditto not so much, their leases, it is presumed, being about to fall in uncles, aunts, cousins, friends, companions, and the community in general in proportion, the cost of assaults and batteries, and other diversions, might be easily arranged, only I must remark, that for assaulting policemen I would charge high, that being, like the Italian opera, for the most part, the entertainment of the nobility, you may object that the propounding such a scheme would be discreditable, and that the thing is unprecedented, reflect, my dear Punch, for an instant, surely, Nothing can be deemed to be discreditable by a Whig government. After the cheap sugar, cheap timber, cheap bread rigs. Why, this is just what might have been expected from them. I wonder they had not hit upon it. How it would have agitated the masses. As to the want of a precedent, that is easily supplied. Pardons for all sorts and sizes of crimes were commonly bought and sold in the reign of James I. Nay, pardon granted in anticipation of crimes to be at a future time committed. After all. You see, Mr. Deere's idea was not altogether original. Your affectionate friend, Christopher Sly, Hump Court, P.S. Permit me to congratulate you on the determination you have come to, of entering the literary world. Your modesty may be alarmed, but I must tell you that several of our popular and talent authors are commonly thought to be greatly indebted to you. They are said to derive valuable hints from you, particularly in their management of the pathetic. Keep a strict eye upon your wife. Judith, 
You say she will superintend your notices of the fashions, and see dot, but I fear she has been already too long and exclusively employed on certain newspapers and other periodicals. Her style is not easily mistaken. With W-A-G-G-R-I-E's, the wigs must go, to arraign instead the Tories will be called, the wigs should ne'er be at the head dear me. I'm getting bald. The wigs, they passed that poor law bill, that's true. Beyond a doubt, the poor they've treated very ill there. Kick that beggar out. The wigs about the sugar crate. They do not care one dump about the blacks and their sad state just please to pass the lump. Those niggers, for their sufferings here. Will angels be one dying, have wings, and flit about us dear why? How those blacks are flying. The wigs are in a state forlorn, in fact. We're ne'er so low, they make a fess about the corn my love. You're on my toe. The wigs the timber duty say they will bring down a peg. More wooden bait blockheads they. Fetch me my wooden leg. Court circular. Deathbird took an airing yesterday afternoon in an open cart. He was accompanied by Jerry Donovan. They afterwards stood up out of the rain under the piazzas in Covent Garden. In the evening they walked through the slops. The dinner at the harp. Yesterday. Was composed of many delicacies of the season. Including bread and cheese and onions. The hilarity of the evening was highly increased by the admirable style in which Senior Jones I sang, Nix my dolly pills. Dispatches yesterday arrived at the house of Reuben Martin, enclosing a post order for three and sixpence. The Senior and Deaf Burke walked out at five o'clock. They afterwards tossed for a pint of half and half. Jerry Donovan and Bill Paul were seen in close conversation yesterday. It is rumored that the former is in treaty with the latter for a pair of left-off six-and-eight-penny clarences. Patty Green intends shortly to remove to a three-pair back room in Little Wild Street, Drury Lane, which he has taken for the summer. His loss will be much felt in the neighborhood. An N-T-A-N-A-C-R-E-O-N-D-I-C. Number 2. Rundell. Pride of Ludgate Hill. I would task thine utmost skill, I would have a bowl from thee fit to hold my outquay And oh! Leave it not without ivory handle and a spout, where thy curious hand must trace Father Matthew's temperate face, so that he may ever seem spouting tea and breathing steam. On its sides do not display fawns and laughing nymphs at play but portray, instead of these, funny groups of fat Chinese, on its lid a mandarin, modeled to resemble in, when completed, artisan, I will pay you if I can, sporting, the knocker hunt, on Thursday, July 8, 1841. The celebrated pack of knocker boys met at the Cavendish, in Germain Street. These animals, which had acquired for themselves a celebrity as undying as that of Tom and Jerry, are of a fine powerful breed, and in excellent condition. The success which invariably attends them must be highly gratifying to the distinguished nobleman who, if he did not introduce this particular species into the metropolis, has at least done much to bring it to its present extraordinary state of perfection as there may be some of our readers who are ignorant of the purposes for which this invaluable pack has been organized, it may be as well to state a few particulars, before proceeding to the detail of one of the most splendid nights upon record in the annals of disorderism. The knocker is a thing which is generally composed of brass or iron. It has frequently a violent resemblance to the human face divine, or the ravenous expressiveness of a beast of prey. It assumes a variety of phases under peculiar minus influences. A gentleman, in whose veracity and experience we had the most unlimited confidence, for a series of years kept an account of the phenomena of his own knocker, and by his permission the following extracts are now submitted to the public, 1840, November 12th, dine with Captain, 
Capital spread exquisite liquors magnificent wines unparalleled cigars drank my four bottles should have made it five, but found I had eaten something which disagreed with me home at four. State of knocker, jumping up and down the surface of the door like a rope dancer, occasionally diverging into a zigzag, the keyhole partaking of the same eccentricities. November 13th, supped with Charlie B. Brandy, genuine cognac cigars principe, estimated consumption, brandy and water. 18 glasses cigars, 2 dozen porter with a cabman, 2 pots, state of knocker, peripatetic moved from our house to the next remain till it roused the family returned to its own door, and became duplicated wouldn't wake the house porter till 5, and be found I had used my own thumb for a sounding plate, and had bruised my nail awfully, November 14th, devoted the day to soda water and my tailor's bill gave a draft for the amount, and took another on my own account. November 15th, lectured by the governor, left the house savage met the Marquis Scott very drunk and consciously fancied myself a merman, and that the gutter in the Haymarket was the archipelago grew preposterous, and felt that I should like to be run over thought I was waltzing with Sarato, but found I was being carried on a stretcher to the station house somebody sent somewhere for bail, and somebody bailed me, state of knocker very indistinct then became uncommonly like the governor in his nightcap could not reach it presume it was filial affection that prevented me knocked of its own accord no doubt agitated my sympathy reverberated in my ears all night and left me with a confounded headache in the morning the above examples are sufficient to show the variability of this singular article formerly the knocker was devoted entirely to the menial occupation of announcing by a single dab or a variation of raps the desire of persons on the doorstep to communicate with the occupants of the interior of a mansion. Modern genius has elevated it into a source of refined pleasure and practical humor, affording at the same time employment to the artisan, excitement to the gentleman, and broken heads and dislocations of every variety to the police. We will now proceed to the details of an event which Puncho Lome is worthy to a record, notice of a meet having been dispatched to all the members of the knocker hunt. A splendid field no street met at the Cavendish the hotel of the hospitable Marquis. The white damask which covered the mahogany was dotted here and there with rich and invigorating vines, whilst decanters of port and sherry jugs of Chateau Margot bottles of exhilarating spirits, and boxes of cigars, agreeably diversified the scene. After a plentiful but orderly discussion of the creature comforts, for all adolations at home are strictly prohibited by the Marquis it was proposed to draw Street James's Square. This suggestion was, however, abandoned, as it was reported by Captain Pepperwell, that a party of snobs had been hunting bell handles in the same locality. On the preceding night, Clarges Street was then named, and off we started in that direction, trying the west end of Germain Street and Piccadilly in our way, but, as was expected, both coverts proved blank. We were almost afraid of the same result in the Clarges Street course, for it was not until we arrived at number 33 that anyone gave tongue. Young Dasshofer was the first, and clearly and beautifully came his shrill tone upon the ear, as he exclaimed, Here Fendakar Thucha 1, 2. The rush was instantaneous, and in the space of a moment one feeling seemed to have taken possession of the whole pack. A more splendid struggle was never witnessed by the oldest knocker hunter. A more pertinacious piece of cast iron never contended against the prowess of the Corinthian. After a gallant pull of an hour and a half, the affair came off and now graces the club room of the knocker hunt, the pack having been called off, were taken to the kennel in the Haymarket, when one young dog, who had run counter at a bell handle, was found to be missing,
but the gratifying intelligence was soon brought, that he was safe in the Vine Street Station House. The various compounds known as champagne, port, sherry, brandy, and sea, having been very freely distributed, Captain Pepperwell made a proposition that will so intimately connect his name with that of the immortal Marquis, that, like the twin born of Jupiter and Leda, to mention one will be to imply the other, having obtained silence by throwing a quart measure at the waiter, he wrinkled himself into an upright position, and in a voice tremulous from emotion perhaps brandy, said, gentlemen of the knocker hunt there are times when a man can't make a speech without con considerable inconvenience to himself that's my case at the present moment but my admiration for the distinguished fundier of the knocker hunt compels me to stand as well as I can, and propose, that as soon as we have knockers enough they be melted down by some other respectable founder, and cast into a statue of the Marquis of Waterford. Deafening were the cheers which greeted the gallant captain. A meeting of ladies has since been held, at which resolutions were passed for the furtherance of so desirable an object, and a committee formed for the selection of a design worthy of the originator of the knocker hunt. To that committee we now appeal. Illustration, to Henry, Marquis of Waterford, and his jolly companions in low. The statue of Achilles. Cast from knockers taken in the vicinities of S.A.C.K.B.I.L.E. Street, the I.G.O. Lane, and Waterloo Place, is inscribed by their gentlewomen, placed on the spot on the first day of April, N.D.C.C.C.X.L.I.I., by command of Colonel Rowan, Mem, the hunt meet again on Monday next, as information has been received that a splendid knocker occupies the door of Lang's shooting gallery in the Haymarket, S.E.N.O.D. White P.O.G.R.A.P.H.E., our printer's devil, would a.